Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Wednesday, October 21st. We have my sister joining us on the show as a follow-up to me talking about her and her nanotechnology experience and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into that in just a second. Before we get to that, a few fun facts to start your day on this day. What's today again? October 21st. That's right. 187 years ago in 1833. Y'all want to take a guess? What happened? You know Electricity. Ooh, close, close. Alfred Nobel, Swedish chemist and engineer, he invented dynamite. So oh, light was pretty close. Cool. Light in a powerful form. And he also founded the Nobel Prize. Right? Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I, I was going to go there after I heard his last name. It seemed like yes, that was Yes, after the last name, but I, I'm surprised <laughs> he did them both in the same year. It seems, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's like he's hinting at it. Hey, dynamite. Well, if you invented dynamite, you would make an award too. That's, but yeah, it's like, hey, I'm going to make a foundation for the best scientific discoveries ever this year. Hint, hint. PS and award it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's fast forward to 1879. So this was 141 years ago. On today, October 21st, Thomas Edison applied for a patent for his design for an incandescent light bulb. Fancy. Winner, winner. Closer. Nice Russ, one, Russ. Ooh. Good stuff. Another fun fact. This episode, today, October 21st, will be the one that puts us over 10,000 plays. So Now that's historic. Yeah. And Electrifying. <laughs> also historic. Uh, big here. shout out to V Spatial, who wanted to celebrate with us and be our sponsor on the show. Absolutely. If you're not familiar with what they do and who V Spatial is, it's basically your office, but virtual in VR. Right? You can host meetings, share screens, access your physical computer from anywhere. Right? Uh, there's a little agent that you put on it, but you can, there's an incredible virtual uh, workspace here. You, you can pull down different apps, you can share them live, you can do all kinds of markup stuff, you can shoot hoops while you're in meetings. I don't know. It, it's, it's very important. Super cool. I took a meeting yeah. in it that yesterday. Cool. Great. What'd you think, Russ? That was awesome. It's just, uh, it's just, it's interesting how you have to sort of get used to, I don't know, having a, a monitor that is the size of your wall if you choose to, you know, so you right. can do all sorts I of different things in it that are, that are pretty <laughs> crazy. And uh, it's just, you know, if you want to, for instance, I was in there and another person was in, wanted to, they wanted to share their screen. So I, I could physically grab their screen and move it to one of my monitors and make it, make it its own monitor and have it sitting in one area. I just, it was really cool the way that you could manipulate the screen and the workspace and uh, it just, it's very interesting to me, especially if I think about use cases where, you know, maybe you don't have a big monitor setup. I mean, we deal with this today where a lot of people who are working from home don't have a setup like mine, or, or I'm sure many of y'all's where you have multiple monitors or a desk for a really large monitor. I mean, this could really help people be a lot more productive yeah. whenever they don't have that type of working space. Especially as the headsets get lighter and more and more comfortable in general, it's actually kind of a compelling use case to be able to have a bunch of virtual whiteboards and, and virtual splash screens to go throw a monitor for whatever data information you, you want to toss up there and then take that to the end with the sharing. I, I could, It's cool stuff. 
and it's just going to get I think the Quest 2 is a big jump in that oh, direction. Oh, yes, yeah. Too. Yeah, if for you're sure. If you go that route, definitely go Quest 2, the higher resolution, much much more helpful. Um, I mean, I, I can still suffer through it on the original Quest 1, so don't worry about me. Um, <laughs> and this is going to sound dumb, but I had a meeting in it yesterday as well, and what I appreciated was not having a camera in my face and being able to be represented by a 3D avatar. You know what I mean? That like the head moves around mm-hmm. as I move and the hands move and my mouth moves in the, in the, but there's not like a camera like up my nose, you know, I don't have to worry about if there's like food in my teeth. I don't know. Maybe that's dumb. Maybe that's just me. Okay. Last thing before we move on to the actual part of the show, uh, we started this thing called Patreon and I promise we'll stop talking about it at the beginning of the show, but um, I can't help but shout out the four people that stepped up and are already helping uh, cover the cost of our hardware and software. So mad shout out to Kurt Bunker, Tim Davis, Kieran Sheldon, and Paul Brarin. Thank y'all. I want to give a double yeah. shout out to Curtis, actually. This guy comes in clutch on Twitter, tagging us in, in every different <laughs> story that he sees that is, that is relevant to something we yeah. can talk about. So double shout out to Kurt for More of that. contribution. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, okay, let's get to it. Um, we have my sister, um, which I've known all of her life. And um, <laughs> she knows some things about nanotechnology. So, well I, you know, I don't know if you just want to take it over, take the mic from here, Mackenzie. Her name's Mackenzie, by the way. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I invited her to come on the show and defend herself because I mentioned there was some t- nanotech news that came on the sh- that we were talking about. And I said, hey, my sister it's like did like nanotechnology some- day. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Anyway, take it away. I'll be quiet. For a little bit. No, you're good. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to remember exactly what you had said of, yeah, I don't know, she went to grad school and, and did some nanotechnology things uh, and agreed. It's, it's really cool, uh, really exciting. A lot of the stuff that typically brings people to nanotechnology is the, like, the molecule cars and being able to write things out with atoms. Um, I think Richard Wait, Feynman what? did a... Hold on. I'm sorry. You're already... I don't mean to interrupt already, but did you say molecule cars <laughs> and being able to write things with atoms? Yeah. So Richard Feynman did a um, a lecture, I think it was, in like 1950-something, the end of the... 59, maybe, where it's called There's Plenty of Room at the Bottom. And so talking about as people are making bigger machines to be able to do bigger, more impressive things... There's also a lot of room for innovation and development and discovery on the bottom end of the size scale. And so he had talked about uh, little molecular machines and the idea of someday you're going to swallow your doctor. It's going to be a pill that's going to go in and find whatever it needs to find in your in your systems and <laughs> do I was it wondering if and then that's where that imagery came from. Cause I, I remember that actually it gets allowed all the time, right? That's one of the kind of classic adages for mm-hmm. nanotech. So that, that's cool. Yeah. And then like the molecular motors and building cars that are teeny tiny or, or nano, I guess specifically. Um, <laughs> and, what do you uh, mean by nano he, cars? Uh, literally cars on the scale of atoms and molecules. Cars yes. do, um, that are functional that are engines that medicine? move motive, motive vehicles on a nanoscopic scale. That move yeah, like, and so you can, treat, like medicine or what are we talking about? 
Uh, it, it's just for fun. It's just for to show that we can. Oh, and like you'll have a yeah. molecule that's okay. sitting on a on a gold surface or something, and then by applying different electric fields, you can make the molecule move. Um, uh, and if you think of like little cyclohexane wheels or something that you can. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Move this vehicle across. The <laughs> I can't even say that word, <laughs> Mackenzie. I have to ask how did you how did you get into this? What was the driving um, motivation behind it? It's just incredibly interesting, especially considering how much smarter you are than your brother. It's just crazy to me <laughs> to, to see this in, in the same family. Um, honestly, a lot of it I, I owe to him. So I, uh, when I was in high school, and I I was a really cool kid super nerdy um really wanted to go to cornell because they had some genetic engineering projects on on wheat i was like oh it's amazing it's really really cool um but my brother was at ou and they had a really good football team that year um uh, so i ended up in norman why did i ask and, this question uh, wow yeah and then uh 2006 he he got diagnosed with cancer um and so there's that initial oh well that's garbage that uh you go through as as a patient or a family of a of a patient um and that spring i saw the opportunity to go out to new mexico and do research um with a in a cancer research center it's like all right well this is this is garbage i've done what i can for him um he's in great hands in great shape uh i hate not being able to make a difference on things so i'm gonna go learn how to do this um, went out to New Mexico, worked in their cancer research center in a, a program that eventually feeds into their nanoscience and microsystems uh, engineering program. And so went out there and did uh, research on targeted delivery of chemotherapeutics that summer and the next summer, and then eventually ended up out there for graduate school. Man, that's that's Super an awesome cool. story. And, yeah. and those for, so for those of you who don't know, Aaron has actually survived cancer twice, um, which is just incredible uh, in its own respect there. So that's, that's an awesome story. I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. But now you've got it. That was entirely too nice. So, so you got to take a crack. What, what do you think your brother does since he was so into <laughs> yes. I totally missed. I whiffed. <laughs> I whiffed. You, like oh, you said, man. I was so close, but so far away. What do you so think? So very far away. Um, okay. So I know there's the whole VX rail, V stack, all of those things. That was a big part of your world for a very long time. But I think you're in a new group now. Uh, and I know that it's trying to figure out how to do hard things. Um <laughs> Say Great. laptop. I'll repair. save you there. Yep. Just say laptop repair. So, I figure out how to do it. Is it like? No, I really want to nail this because I think it's important to show that I know his world more than he knows mine. <laughs> well, it's clear I you think don't. He's doing so. stuff that's like the uh, the online the cloud storage. I don't want to necessarily drop names of competitors, but to be a competitor with some of the normal cloud storage options out there. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say she nailed it. <laughs> no, I think she did a great 100%. job. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in product management for data centric workloads. And That's what she said. Yeah. That is what That's she what said. I said. But in yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move on. Let's go back. So I think you know more about nanotechnology than we've talked about so far. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Because in that episode, we talked about all the different ways you could use it. Have you done some research recently or is there any cool stuff so, you want to share with our listeners about it? 
There's a lot of really cool stuff on the nanoscale in material science that really builds the foundation for other things, whether it's, I think you all kind of talked about the hydrophobic surfaces, hydrophilic surfaces, even the different different structures of, of materials that you can build on a nano micro scale that change how we build larger things. Um, and this is, I'm trying to think of all the research that my, my colleagues were doing when I was in grad school, which is 10 years ago now. So it's, I'm sure, farther than it was then. But there was so much work being done on the surfaces that a cell is going to grow on in order to facilitate building tissues so that you could grow a liver in the lab um, or using nanoparticles to detect radiation. So you could basically just spray paint the world at an airport with these nanoparticles. And if anything that is irradiated comes through there, the wall starts glowing like, oh, here's the trail of this piece of irradiation what? or piece of, That's awesome. of radioactive material that, that came through the facility. Can I try? Um, one of... I'm sorry. I was going to make a joke. You're on a roll. Keep going. Track your banana. <laughs> <laughs> One of my, uh, my favorite things is really more on the micro scale, but is fed by the same things. It's the whole like lab on a chip idea where you could take a, a single drop of blood and then through capillary action, pull it through this entire lab, literally on a chip that on a molecular scale says, well, yep, yeah, you have, you have a COVID here. Ding, ding, ding. Um, your cholesterol is higher than we expected it to be. Be able to see on very small samples detail that is helpful and immediate and theoretically eventually cheap. It changes the way that you see medicine, the way that you that would be do wild. diagnostics across yeah. the world. Can so you imagine a, a finger prick instead of a like yeah. an appointment like in a lab six vials. and six vials later. That's what exactly. I was going to say. Gosh, that's every, awesome. Yeah, like every week. Well, I mean, every day when I was in the hospital for a week at a time, they would come and take like five vials out of my arm. But then every week afterwards, yeah. you you go in and you basically just dump blood into a bag for them. I mean, it's just yeah. terrible. They're going to send you home to make that. more blood. Yeah, I remember thinking that. Like, why do they need this much? And I, I understand there's something about like they have to spin it and separate it or something. Maybe I don't know. Actually, I don't understand. I won't yeah. say that word. I think it depends on that the would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that would be awesome. But one of the things, so the work that I did, um, my nanoparticles were all protein-based. They were um, viruses, basically, that we were building, um, which is not as scary as I promise. It, it sounds, we, it didn't have infectious <laughs> capabilities. terrible. <laughs> but we were building up these little bitty mini protein wiffle balls that we could fill with whatever we want and then target to wherever we wanted them to go. But as a part of that, um, I got into the like genetic designing of these viruses. And it makes you think of, um, so this connects, I promise, but I got 23andMe on Prime Day the other day. Um, and I just sent off my kit and I'm so hyped. I can't wait for it to come back. Because when I was doing all of this work, I was going up to see some of my buddies working at Los Alamos and talking about how cool it'll be to someday be able to do um, like genome sequencing for under $1,000, under $1,500 a patient to be able to really look at genetic diagnostics and see what that means in a person's life. Um, and cool. I just ordered a kit for a hundred dollars. 
in yeah. fitment tube. Yeah, I was going to say it's a hundred bucks, right? I was going to ask because I didn't remember exactly what the cost was. That's my wife and that's I ordered back less than you predicted. Even that's fantastic. It, it's yeah. crazy how cheaper it is. My wife and I ordered those a couple of years ago. Also, I think it was on Prime Day or some form of sale day because they seem to be yeah, all over the place now. Why? Yeah, and <laughs> we. I, it's as you mentioned. I realized we never sent them in, <laughs> so we no, bought no, them. No, go do that. Them. I need to go find it right them, now. And we need to do it. So I'm going to do that now. He literally, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, we bought this a year or two and did not do it. Uh, I think I actually bought it as like a Christmas sort of gift because we had interest in doing it. So I bought two of them, but I'm going to have to go find those now. That's hey, so when you were talking about you created the viruses, were they able to replicate as well? No. Okay. So you so made we basically, X number. I got you. So we... We put the we hijacked bacteria basically, um, put the genetic sequence for the virus that we wanted to make and just injected it into the E. coli cells, and then just created just cultures upon cultures, gallons. It would be interesting to think about how many gallons of E. coli I have grown in my experience. It's probably enough to at least fill a swimming pool or two. Um, just to then lyse all those cells and get all of the bacteria, all of the the particles that were created inside of them. Um, and so when you think about working in nanotechnology, you think about microscopes and I don't know, electrons and cool things. I don't know what normal people imagine when you're talking about working in, in nanoscience, normal people. but it probably isn't yeah, the normal. It's fine. Um, it probably isn't sitting in a warm room with cultures of bacteria for ages. Like it's, it's not as glamorous, but it's, it's pretty cool. It was I a lot did. of fun. My brain tends to immediately think of um, a, a type of uh, fabric that we're not used to. I don't even know if that makes sense saying it. But when I think of nanotechnology, that's oftentimes what I think of. Yeah, you think about but like, like, like paint on a wall that glows if it's exposed to radioactive material? Like yeah, that or kind clothing. Of fabric? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like clothing that, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> clothing that, that interacts differently or like, I don't know, electron or electronic infused yeah. fabric or something. I don't know, you know. Anyway. You that was a lot of the stuff I used to run into. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Seriously, because that's a, such a, it's what all that's the a fun way to pull the Yep. Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, but I remember all those articles, they, they talked a lot about uh, carbon nanotubes in particular and some of the properties that it mm-hmm. has, just you know, strength as well as conductive uh, properties. So it can be, depending on orientation, could be used for a lot of different stuff. So I totally get you know, envisioning nano equaling material. It probably also doesn't help that uh, the textile industry basically just took nano as a term and turned yeah. it into a buzzword. So it's like, Nano underwear. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's probably the, the technology that powers uh, Black Panther's suit, right? Like capturing the energy. That's so, yeah, sure. that's what we think about. I think when I think of nanotechnology, I think of superhero stuff. Right. So <laughs> basically, Mackenzie, you're a superhero. That's what I'm hearing. It's true. I mean, I tell myself every morning. You're you're uh, Edna from The Incredibles. You're, you're the one in the dark room working on the lab, so they have suits that you know can teleport. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I feel like it is super important to uh, to say that I 
like if you're super hyped about this and want to go do research, I feel like I should give you the disclaimer that research is miserable. Um, research is failure most of the time. Otherwise it would just be making things. Um, and so after I spent a lot of time doing that nano science microsystems research, uh, I switched to manufacturing and now I'm an entirely other industry. So it's You're more fun. It's there. It's really cool, but, but you uh, maybe not as important. Things. But lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it takes a, a special character to be Edna, and I'm not that person. So what do you do now? <laughs> uh, you, you I run work, like a DevOps group or something now. Yeah. Well, sort of. We use DevOps. Um, do you buy DevOps so to, to kind of order the DevOps skew? I'm sorry. Stop oh, the jokes. What? I'm I mean, sorry. What does mean? Please talk. It was okay. just a joke. Uh, so I spent four years, the, kind of the joke is I spent four years trying to cure cancer, and then I spent four years working for an oil company. So then when I got karmically neutral, I switched over to, uh, I'm now at an energy company that is also trying to save, change the world and, and make people's lives better. So I'm doing uh, data analytics and optimization engineering for an energy cool. company. Awesome. Yeah. You should Ooh, use some analytics. Of my apps that I work on. Nah. <laughs> okay. All right. We have uh, we have four minutes um, till till a hard stop here for myself. You guys can keep going if you want. Um, but I think we maybe run through some tech news and get some interaction or some reaction rather uh, from you, McKenzie, and maybe the group. There you Let me go. throw one at you. NASA is launching a four G. Why four G when we have five G? I don't yeah, know. Why mobile network on the moon? Okay. okay now it's cool. Ten years ago. Is it? And then and I saw it's this on joke. The moon. <laughs> I saw this joke. Uh, it's to allow astronauts to play Among Us on the moon. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's excellent. Yeah. Does, does it actually give a real reason why and how? Uh, I'm more interested in how, by the way, not the why, because I'm yeah, comfortable so, with us doing it. Well, the key points here: they granted Nokia 14. So this is NASA. Uh, $14.1 million to build the first ever 4G mobile network on the moon. I still don't understand why, but it says under its Artemis program, NASA plans to send astronauts and have a sustainable human presence to the moon by 2028. So this is, this only costs $14 million to do is what you're telling me is to build a 4G network on to, the moon to, to ship. I, I, I don't know that it's building a 4G network, <laughs> to get it there. getting a tower in a rocket and landing it on the moon. <laughs> And then boom, you set it up <laughs> and it'll host five users. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what comes of this. this but apparently it's intriguing. Yeah. Apparently it's going to allow astronauts to uh, make voice and video calls from the moon. Well, you know what they won't be able to do? Watch Quibi videos because Quibi videos are shutting down after six months of going live. <laughs> nice segue. And uh, yeah, was anyone surprised by that? No, I didn't know I, what Quibi video was. Well, right. you see, there's your problem right there. <laughs> I would say um, that's their problem. I did not watch one, uh, but I saw commercials for them. I just, I'm surprised that they're shutting down after six months because it just seems like that's such a small runway that they they had one metric for success and they certainly did not hit it. Yeah, it had to have been much. that much of a massive failure. Yeah, yeah it had that, been a, just hurts. an absurdly massive failure. So. Yeah, I mean, because look at us. We're six months in, and this is a massive failure, and we're still going. Yeah, that's still right. Going, going strong. <laughs> you, Quibby. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. I have here's no idea. A, here's a fun one that's also space-related and was, I mean, I think the opposite of a failure. Apparently, Intel uh, 
has an AI board um, code called the Movidius Myriad 2, and it's a vision processing unit that was put into a satellite, the FISAT-1 from the European Space Agency. Um, one, it's very interesting what the satellite is supposed to do. It's going to go up. It's going to be able to sort of monitor um, through image processing uh, soil conditions um, so that they can do some targeted crop stuff, uh, identify fires potentially really, really early as an early warning system. Some of these things are, are just projected what they hope to be able to accomplish. But here's something I thought was really fun. And McKinsey, you probably have a thought or two about this. Most boards like this, like a, a consumer available, even though this is probably more of an enterprise grade, these kinds of boards, they, they are not hardened to go into space applications as just a baseline board. But it turns out that without modification, this board was able to handle the equivalence of three years of radioactive bombardment. And so they're able to use it in this application. And then they're claiming that it's the first AI satellite that's going to be out in space. I kind of find that hard to believe given, uh, well, all of the satellites we launch and how competitive our intergovernment agencies are. But what do you think about that? I think it's freaking cool. The first one we want to admit. The first <laughs> yeah, one we want exactly. to admit is up there. <laughs> but it's also, if it's going to just last for three years, we're basically treating it as disposable. Which just I think there's there a lot of that. Stop working. Well, and I don't know, it didn't get into the details, but yeah, I wondered, I guess that's at least three years of bombardment without really having a, any issues, I guess. And I don't know if that was just like a baseline or if they did additional shielding in whatever they put it into, but I, it was pretty fascinating that out of the box it was designed or it ended yeah. up surviving a lot longer than other, you know, consumer electronics would under the same conditions. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if that's what they'll make the cell phones on in the moon. I think the biggest think news you, here is positive Intel news on this show. Cause I didn't think that we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay. You got to shut it down. Thing. I got to walk away. But yep, since we since we went from nanotechnology out to space, there's also, uh, if you want to pay attention to this, a NASA spacecraft is about to land on an asteroid and grab a sample, which so makes me cool. think of all of those asteroids we've seen go by. They're just like full of diamonds and stuff. And you get like kind of the evil, um, you know, excellent, uh, somebody's going to send something up there and go mine it for diamonds. I hope De Beers also <laughs> captures the entire intergalactic diamond market. All right, so I'm out. Diamonds can remain the same price. Later. Definitely. Shut Thanks it down. You. Mackenzie, thank you for being here. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Thanks here. a ton. Yeah, we were glad to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, making us all smarter by talking about what you do on a, on an average day. That was awesome. Oh man. And, um, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. 10,000 listens we have today, which is super exciting. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We love your support. Thanks for subscribing. We appreciate all the shout-outs, all the interaction that we're getting on Twitter and other platforms. And, of course, thank you to our Patreon supporters. We love you all. We'll talk to you Friday. Later. <laughs>